1: Tim Jeff Hawkins, Chris Novembrino, late into the weekend, but better late than never. Talking some graps from the past week. I thought most of the wrestling shows were quite good, but we're going to get into it a little bit. As uh, your Hawkins, weekend been?
0: You know what? I uh, decided yesterday that uh, I was going to try to watch the movie Independence Day. <laughs> no particular reason. Do you know how long this movie
1: is? It's about as long as a real alien invasion. Yeah, it's two hours
0: and 20-something friggin' minutes. I thought for sure that this was like a 90-minute film, maybe 100 minutes. I was not planning on looking at the runtime being over two hours. And it does not earn its over two hours. I I know we all enjoy the president's speech. Uh, this, This is our independence day. But, like, there is rarely a reason for any movie to be over two hours. And if I, they are going to be over two hours, they need to earn
1: it. I've actually never seen it. Uh, what? Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. I, I guess. I guess we know who likes this country more on this show. Jeez. Uh,
1: I liked Mars Attacks, and I was fine with it. Um, I, I, I was. I'm, I'm not a big uh, what's the team name Dean Devlin Ro- Roman uh, Emmerich fan. I'm or Roland Emmerich. I, I'm just not a fan of their movies. Never have been i just i i find them vapid and stupid to be honest with you and it is the quintessential
0: 90s bloated script how dare you sir
1: it's it's cookie cutter stuff and it's just not deep and it's just kind of insulting it really is i mean i've seen i've seen enough highlights where i can reference it pretty much um but you know and, and no, it and,
0: fails on a lot of levels. like there's no real depth to what the alien invasion is about. It's just entirely about humanity. Obviously all the tech stuff doesn't make a ton of sense. like there's just there's a lot of issues with the actual execution of it as someone who has now become a I'm a more discerning sci-fi fan these days, you know, uh, so, now I'm watching these type of movies and like, there's certain things that I like about it. Like I like the build buildup sort of stuff, but they also rushed the build up in that movie too. Like the, the spaceship has arrived really friggin' early in the movie.
1: Yeah. It's high budget Corman to me. And I, I don't mind low budget Corman like uh battle beyond the stars. It's fantastic. I don't care what anybody says. It's, it's a bad movie, but it's a fantastic bad movie. It's basically the magnificent seven, seven samurai in space with a, uh, Richard Thomas from the Waltons uh, and uh, George Papard <laughs> and uh, who, who's, who's, who's another uh, Sybil Danning uh, fixture of Skinamax late at night. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, I, I enjoy that more than I did anything having to do with Independence I, I spent my July 4th. I, I watched a few Great American Bash matches. I, I'm, I'm still in that mind where it was a big deal growing up where the great American bash on tour, if I had a stadium near me, I'd be able to drive down there, but there wasn't one alas, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I'll watch the first minute of uh, Dick Slater and uh, Buzz Sawyer versus the Andersons and I'll be happy about it. And, you know, I'll go with that. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of the great American bash uh, NXT decided to slap on that label onto NXT for the next two weeks to counteract fire fest. I, or fighter fest. Firefest fest is the other one <laughs> it's,
0: it's one. so weird that this is a pay-per-view that is a reference to a failed concert like i how do they keep you're talking about the great american bash how do they keep fighter fest And like explain fighter fest hypothetically two decades from now
1: I I don't know I I I, I <laughs> oh there
0: you see once kids there was this concert that didn't happen and it was a total debacle and they named the pay per view after it uh, I don't know it seems like a tough sell
1: <laughs> it's just tradition at this point you don't question it Chris you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how they're there's a do deeper it. message
0: in there I'll leave it for the listeners
1: uh, you know that's. That's how they're. That's how they're gonna do it from now on. Um, sorry, I can't minimize my Zoom screen here. I'm looking for the numbers here on the, on the on the Wednesday night wars, so to speak. Because I guess. Oh, so you're of, um, gonna
0: blame uh, Zoom? Yeah. Of course. So gonna, oh, all right. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, it well, I
1: got
0: it, I got it, I got it. I'm, Someone's gotta stand up for Zoom. Okay. NXT seven hundred ninety-two
1: thousand. AEW seven hundred forty-eight thousand. Uh, AEW was sixth in the ratings. Uh, because of the demographic numbers, which Chris Jericho was very quick to point out.
0: Is he working or is that like serious? Because if he's serious, it's sad. I mean, even That's... if it's a work, it's kind of weird. But like if he's n- not working and it's mostly serious, it feels desperate. These are downward arcing numbers.
1: Yes, and 900000 for the EO Shirai-Sasha Banks match, which is great. I think I
0: yeah that is good, no and, and it's popping the number, which mm-hmm. is even more impressive here, like, yeah, like and, and been having an issue getting people to pop a number, and like that match drew eyes
1: and and I wrote a I, I i vague tweeted a bit where where I basically said people aren't seeing the forest from the trees, and I didn't have a fully fleshed out thought, but I'm just for for me looking at eyeball, you're arguing sixth place versus tenth place midweek between a new company that's, I guess, trying to start up but has lost half its audience over eight months versus the C show that he doesn't care about insofar as how are they doing up against AEW? You have Raw and SmackDown, which are both hitting lows still. I think they were both around 1.77 million. Uh, Raw was like the third lowest ever. And SmackDown wasn't terribly impressive. And And to me, it's like, you're trying to make fetch happen. You're trying to make a horse race out of watching two horses in the middle of the pack. When you're getting beaten by things like MTV's the challenge and guys, grocery games. And it, it, it was coming off a bit as cornet esque. And I didn't want to come off that way. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, this is a problem with AEW right now is that they are looking at the numbers at the horse race and they just want to beat NXT you saw that in in MJF's promo opening up the show where he's like, we're in a ratings war. And
0: yeah, that's now. right. They, they, <laughs> they mentioned that a couple of times. And, like, then you have Taz's promo later on in the show where Taz is directly positioning the company to WWE saying, <laughs> you know, we take things seriously unlike the other guys. And... If you want to do that, so be it. But I, you're totally right. I think the framing of they're not seeing the forest for the trees. They're like, well, we're neck and neck with NXT. It's like, yeah, but both of you guys combined still don't match Raw, which is not doing great numbers either. And that's the other part of the bigger part of the forest here. It's like you're not that big of a tree, and the forest keeps getting smaller. So, one – AEW as a brand has not grown from launch. If anything, the numbers have gone, if if anything, they have gone the other way. They're not building forward momentum. They're trying to stop the bleeding. And it seems like they have. It seems like, you know, they're hanging out like 700,000 and that's okay ish. But for the fact that there was this anticipation that both of these brands were going to be churning up interest that would be over a million people per show like if we go back to where predictions were in 2019 when this all started uh hope sprung eternal that you know we'd be you know, trying to figure out who was breaking a million on a weekly basis and now that seems like a distant memory
1: yeah and you know if, if they're doing raw or smackdown numbers sure do that victory lap I'm fine with that, even if you're not winning the night. But
0: If AEW is doing Raw or SmackDown numbers, they should be peacocking around. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, I I think you know at that point that you really start kind of crowing that we're going to take down. You start acting like Cameron Grimes. Like, we're going to take down that Vince McMahon uh, if you're pulling Raw or SmackDown numbers, but the issue is that they're not.
1: Do you want to know what won the night overall across all platforms?
0: Oh, you're going to depress me. What is it? No, I'm not. Okay.
1: It's wrestling-related. Oh. Came on with star Keegan-Michael Key, Rob Gronkowski, and Becky Lynch was on that show. 2.1 million viewers. So, you know, wrestling won the night. It just wasn't any of the wrestling in there. And I don't know. I, I'm looking at it from a TV executive point of view. And uh, I don't, I don't know if I brought this up early in the Rob run. But I had... <laughs> They interviewed me for the head of uh, Amazon television, Chris. I, I had no business going in there. I basically had light on my resume a little bit in terms of my development experience and stuff like that. But they, you know, I, I, you know, look at what Amazon wa- wants now. They wanted a more snobby HBO. And thank God I wasn't put in charge. because I would never greenlit half those shows that have been on Amazon Prime. But they seem to work for them. But at the same time, I'm like, you're a TV exec. And AEW, which got its highest rating uh, for TNT in five years um, on opening night, and then has since lost 50% of the audience despite getting a three-year contract. You saw what – I don't know if you saw what Fox did this week. Fox got rid of its golf the next three years of its golf and said we're, not, we're no longer in the golf business. I guess – I think it was CBS they gave it off to. CBS can have this. I would not be shocked if some of these – I mean – Look for all you can say about AEW. Oh, they need to grow. They need time. They're new. That's not the TV business, kids. They
0: it's, may not have time. Yeah, no, I, I think that's precisely right.
1: You know, I had I had a friend who was set to play a sidekick on a very hyped-up show at the upfronts for networks. Had a big star in, on, on the head. Had all the advertising in the world on the network into it. One episode. They pulled it (laughs) and that was it. And it's like, if you get time to grow an audience, you're lucky. Live TV costs a lot more money than taped television programming. And they're not giving it to them to find themselves. They're giving it to them to get some ratings for this network. And yeah, six is good. But for the cost benefit, I don't know. I don't know if like a rerun of fast and furious part 32 might do the same numbers in that same time slot.
0: Yeah, or like a first run of a semi-popular series.
1: Especially with sports being either <laughs> either foolishly coming back or not coming back at all, depending on who you talk to. All these networks are losing a lot of money because they can't go into production right now. and And, and, they, and they're going to start to look to cut costs. And I think both WWE and AEW just should be putting out what programming they can and especially the town from AEW should just kind of try and stay under the radar about crowing about things. If they're not winning the night in a world where they're the only fresh programming out there, really.
0: I got to tell you, I'm still surprised. I'm not surprised with WWE because of the CEO's sort of predilections towards things. Um, more on them in just a moment too, because I want to talk about the mass remind me. Um, but with AEW, I'm very surprised, considering how many TNA veterans there are, that they didn't just move into a pre-tape mode. I think that they could have saved themselves a lot of drama throughout this whole cycle if they had actually just gotten into a habit of pre-taping three to four weeks of television and then coming back for you know their fighter fest live event equivalents or whatever. You know, they're not quite pay-per-views. They're kind of uh, doing that.
1: They they are AEW or WWE.
0: AEW both
1: are kind of taping in advance Um,
0: okay yeah yeah I think that that's wise um the the less time that you're actually on site I think the better
1: a little bit of news going into uh this week Monday night might be Kyrie Sane's last appearance with the company it looks like she's heading back to Japan uh talks are she was going to be a goodwill ambassador but she has gotten married she's been in a long distance relationship WWE, to me, views her as injury-prone, so I don't think they're that worried about her going away. I hate getting in these discussions of, is she the biggest talent that they've ever blown? Because I there's a litany of people out there that could go under there. Oh, man. With, like, that, Dusty that gets, Rhodes.
0: Yeah, Dusty Rhodes, Booker T, uh, I mean, you You want to name it. Every generation, there's a generational talent that they've misused.
1: I don't know if she will be on. They originally had advertising where she'd be seconding Asuka versus in in the match against Bailey with Sasha Banks at ringside. I think they've
0: written around that, though, with the EO Shirai.
1: So it might be a surprise. So who knows? Yeah. Um... Other than that, I mean, the only other news is COVID-related with uh, the executive vice president saying they're still trying to get live shows up and running. They're still still handling this poorly. Chris, this would be where you can go into your masks.
0: Yes, yes. So it dawned on me this week when I was watching SmackDown that – WWE this company that is obsessed with merchandising and you could say even more than being a wrestling or sports entertainment company WWE is a merchandising company right they sell t-shirts they're selling action figures they're getting you to buy those big custom belts for 300 400 500 dollars I don't even know how much they're worth is that right is that somewhere in the ballpark you
1: know space balls the the breakfast cereal
0: yeah right (laughs) so Right now, we have a global pandemic. You might say it's around the world, uh, the world, as it were. That would, be a global, that
1: would be a global pandemic, Chris.
0: That would be a global <sighs> pandemic. And you know what's useful during the global pandemic? Face masks. And WWE, being a merchand- merchandising company, could have been putting all of their wrestlers' logos onto masks and selling them and probably making a pretty profit early on. But instead, they kind of dragged their feet on this. But, I mean, think about it. Like, dude, sell John Cena masks. And I saw one of those in the crowd. I was just like, oh, my God, this company, because they were so stubborn on this, missed the mark on this. And now uh, I'm also seeing uh, AEW is going to flank them on using Fighter Fest or uh, the second night of Fighter Fest here as like a COVID-19 tribute show. Or like not tribute show to COVID-19. But you know what I mean? Like a benefit.
1: I hope it's not for the World Health Organization again.
0: Yeah, I don't. It, it, <laughs> did, did they do that the last time?
1: Uh, Jericho had some shirts, or AEW had some shirts that first week that's like all profits go to the World Health Organization.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guys, whenever you're doing a donate to charities, this is not just true at WHO, but like really any charity, do your research. It applies to like Susan G. Komen for the cure as well.
1: Uh, but the wrestling this week wasn't half bad. It was just, you know, your usual main roster does some perplexing things from time to time. Um, going through raw real quick. I, I you're, you're building up Andrade and Angel Garza as your number one contenders to your tag champs, only to feed them to then the big show who doesn't need yeah. people to be fed to.
0: And certainly not Andrade and Angel who have been really stuck in second gear for the better part of six to eight weeks now.
1: Yeah, the bickering thing is just it's just in it's
0: it's tired. It's, it, it's not interesting. I don't care who becomes the baby face out of this. I'm not like Jonesing for a big Andrade push. They've gone so many different directions with Angel Garza at this point that you don't know you don't know what they're actually going to commit to. And all, I, all
1: you know is that that, that Umberto Creo is going to be sent out there to lose.
0: Sure. Sure. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Right.
1: No, he's you had, the
0: chavo of them
1: you had mvp getting a basically a clean win even though they tried not to put it over as clean because of the distraction over your <laughs> your u.s champ apollo cruz bobby lashley gets a big win over ricochet your mid card is dead
0: I mean, I'm just like looking through the card here and seeing is there any character on their show that I really am invested in their story at all? And it's it's like, no, like I don't really care what Apollo Cruz does. I think it's nice that he finally got a push.
1: There are two characters I am invested in, and that is Sasha Bailey Three Shows that. and Bailey Dose Straps.
0: That's sort of that's sort of cheating. Um They'll continue
1: to be awesome.
0: Just yeah, no, no, they're great. But like even <laughs> Drew McIntyre, uh, he's he's oh, okay sometimes, and then sometimes he's kind of annoying.
1: This story with him and Dolph, right? It's it's nowhere. It's 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 reliving an angle that nobody liked at the time,
0: but, and they kind of failed to capitalize on at yeah. the time with the Stroman, Drew McIntyre, Ziggler angle. And, and me, so going back to that now, I, I, this is also a company that does not reward you for paying attention to history. So when you make these calls back to a year ago, one, sometimes the roster's turned over so much you don't want to necessarily spotlight certain things. But two, uh, it, people don't remember these things because you, yeah. you get told to forget them or you you never get reminded of them again for the entire year.
1: Or they're irrelevant. Or there's no uh, really the the problem here is there's no emotion behind this at all, it's just hey remember that thing yeah okay let's do a match
0: yeah and they blew off that thing really quickly too
1: yeah to get to Drew's yeah. star power and it just right. it, it I'm like I liked I liked the staging of the contract signing and I kind of wanted a follow up like okay who's the moron who put both contract signings at once you know i you know starting in the middle of the scene with the women fighting as opposed to just waiting around but then you have them sitting around doing nothing while while they while we have these monologues and look i as as much as i like the callback of the sasha stamp which is four years it's a four year callback chris from the uh, becky lynch match in nxt it wasn't worth The juice wasn't worth the squeeze on that. And they should be looking at these EO Sasha numbers and going, okay, why did people turn out in droves to watch that? It wasn't something we had seen before. It was two acts that people cared about. It was two acts that are quality acts. It was something people were looking forward to. Ergo, they turned out in droves to watch it. And they just... They're, they're missing on all these builds in favor of just here's, here's your gruel. Here's your golden corral buffet of mediocre quality, but you're going to get a lot of it. Here, eat it. Yeah, I,
0: I really don't want to slag on the performers on these shows. Right. Uh, the War Machine are dope. They're just not dope as the Viking Raiders. Andrade and Angel Garza are both cool. Zelina Vega is cool. Um, but they're not being used in a remotely interesting way. Akira Tozawa is awesome being used horribly on this show. Seth Rollins has been much better than he's currently been. We love Buddy Murphy, but he's not killing it right now in this uh, Seth Rollins profit gimmick or whatever. Aleister Black, very cool. Carrillo, you and I like him a lot. Uh, we've been worried that he was going to end up doing what he's doing. Uh, Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, like the the actual talent on this show Is good pretty much from top to bottom. Uh, and even the usage of the big show, the amount they're using him and where they've got him in the cards, the right usage of him. It's just the way this show's being written right now, and like the actual character development around these performers is just uh boring,
1: Chris. The brain buster has been persona non grata for a while in WWE, and if you were going to pick a talent. To allow to do a spinning brain buster as a finisher. Where is Peyton Royce on your scorecard on that?
0: That was a a surprise. Uh, I (laughs) mean,
1: got me out of of my seat. What the F was that? I could not believe that. Is she going to be Goldberg? (laughs) Is Is she the new monster heel in the division? It was an awesome move, but I'm just like, okay, Bobby Lashley. I could see doing a spinning brain brainbuster. Peyton Royce. Good luck finding talent that can take that. Oh,
0: <laughs> yeah that that was the thing I was thinking about. Um, and and I guess you have to push her as a heel with that kind of move, uh, because you're not going to get Nia Jacks up like that. Uh, so I mean, I mean, even like Natty, Natty's a, you know, fairly just, you know, power
1: lifter. She's a
0: power lifter. lifter. Yeah. Like, like that, that, I mean, there's just a number of people. I think Peyton's going to have a hard time getting up, um, and getting that move to look right.
1: It's also interesting because of the number of women that are on the shelf, kind of languishing in main event world where, you know, Shayna Baszler, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, uh, EST, uh, Bianca Belair. Bianca. Yeah. Uh, are just, you know, it's like, it's weird because it's like, we have it, it, the Kyrie same thing was the same thing. It's like, we have a one week idea and then we just get bored with it. And then we're done with it. And that's where Shane and Bianca are right now.
0: Oh yeah. They got Bianca on main event this week. Uh, yeah, I was but, seeing, yeah, she's no, been on, like the
1: last three weeks. She's Yikes. Like, <laughs> it's like that weird lana natty feud that <laughs> or was it lana natty or lana and uh live i can't remember but <laughs> i
0: think it was lana and live okay before they made lana kind of more of an npc
1: right yeah um but yeah the matches were fine it was just some questionable booking on raw anything else on raw that caught your fancy
0: um, no, I, there's nothing that, that caught my fancy. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's a talented roster being used miserably right now. Uh, and there is some interesting wrestling. It's kind of like that on SmackDown too, if you want to move over to SmackDown. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I'm, I just wanted to add one thing. I think raw post Heyman it's, it moves faster. I I wouldn't say it's better, but it, it's a different, they're doing a lot more story stuff, which, they're not exactly great at because you have to have strong characters to have a strong story, but it moves quicker than say a 35 minute match between Buddy Murphy and Seth Rollins.
0: Yeah. I I mean, it, it was very weird to have the low stakes, long form matches. And I think that that was, that was a mistake in the Heyman era and well, they have, they've gotten away from that to an extent.
1: They have, but, I understand the thinking there. The thinking there is what people want is wrestling. And I think both AEW and WWE for this era, in terms of the Heyman raw era, must, I still think promos. So I think the they're right.
0: It. I think they're right, but the execution's wrong When when people want wrestling, especially like on a weekly television show, what they want is a series of quality 12 minute matches.
1: I think wrestling fans want wrestling. I think normal people yeah. want feuds. They want heat. They want right, 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 right.
0: And want- so you have, like, rather than 35 minutes with one feud that's like a mid-card feud, you have, like, a 12- to 15-minute match with a little characterization, skittness going on at the back end of the match here. You know, a kind of a schmozzy, dusty sort of finish at the end um, to keep the story advancing along here. Maybe a promo to lead into it, and then they have a quick match that doesn't resolve, so we build into something next week like... A little bit more bing, bang, boom, but like stories told in the ring rather than we're just going to have a really long wrestling match. Because the other problem is that WWE doesn't kind of allow the wrestlers to change gears too much. So everyone has sort of a similar type of match.
1: Bro, Matt Riddle's back on SmackDown, bro.
0: Bro. I mean, bro. He's going to say bro a lot, bro. I, I like the Frostbite story. I think story. I nailed
1: this, Chris. I think I nailed this when I said Vince will see him and save Jeff Spicoli. Yeah, from Fast absolutely. Times. I,
0: and like even commentary was sort of ribbing the Fast Times at Ridgemont High references, uh, saying, you know, 1980 wants their movie back. My guitar is 40 years old, Jeff. Just to put that into uh, context, in 10 years, it'll be a vintage instrument. Uh, so we're, we're coming up on a vintage joke there with Fast Time at Ridgemont High. Uh, I, I liked the frostbite stuff. I thought the frostbite stuff did a good job caricature or characterizing him or caricaturizing him and, like, giving him... It explains why he's laid back or, like, he knows how to, like, contextualize stuff. He doesn't sweat the small stuff, but he's also, like... I don't know. The whole frostbite thing sort of puts into mind that, you know, there is risk. It also explains, like, why stepping on his toes doesn't work as well. Like for some people too.
1: Did, did you need that? Uh, did, you, <laughs> did you need that bit of a uh, bit of information to connect the dots there on the feet?
0: I mean, I, I find it look, funny,
1: but I don't know why. I,
0: I mean, I didn't need it, but we're always talking about like sort of doing a show not tell sort of thing. Yeah, and, yeah, and like this was a this was a subtle way. Of getting over his mindset, um, without clobbering you over the head of like I'm laid back because horrible things have happened to me, like like rather than him like hitting you over the head with the message, which he did mm-hmm. like a little bit there, like it, it's it's a little more nuanced. Um, so I liked it. I mean, I I, I can get how other people. Like, look, it's a long story about him having, like, frostbite, and he sounds high out of his mind as he's telling it. And he opens it up with, this is going to be a really long story, bro. Light
1: up. Let me tell you about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be funny if, if they go to commercial in the middle of the story, they come back and he's still telling it. And he's
0: still it. telling it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like. <laughs>
1: Oh, man, uh, I, I liked the uh, Gulak-AJ uh, Styles match.
0: Oh, yeah, I thought that was great. Uh, the Zoom Daniel Bryan stuff was ridiculous, <laughs> but uh, the it was. the actual match was good. I, I mean, babyface Drew Gulak is a lot of fun, and AJ... AJ's fun as a heel. Uh, I, I think that he he has a good intensity as a heel, and uh, in, in this second part of his career, he's really gotten good at the heel pacing. And uh, no, I just thought this was a fun match. I really did.
1: Yeah, there's there's some there's some odd moments of motivation in in these in these feuds on this SmackDown. Because I thought I thought Shinsuke and Kofi. Was, was also good, really
0: well. yeah, 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 no, no. So, like, w- when I was describing this show to you before we got on the air, I thought it was basically a really good show sandwiched on either side with like inanity and WWE crap. Like, so, like, the riddle thing gets interrupted by King Corbin, who uh, once he says bow down to the king, I can't help but think, like, is this partially a rib on Triple H?
1: I don't know, but uh, <laughs> let's. Let's get the horribleness out of the way before we get to the greatness. Um yeah, I (laughs) Corbin I I understand why they like his heat, but between that and the the toast at the end, where poor (laughs) poor bartender is just the hired help. (laughs) Uh, To me, Jeff Hardy acted like a heel in that in that segment.
0: I mean, I just the whole thing was weird. Like I, when the bartender's shoving the alcohol in his face. <laughs> He's
1: an enabler. They got an enabling bartender.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, so like, that's how they're, you know, trying to turn him from like neutral to heel, but they don't really nail it. And and I was kind of expecting the bartender to try to
1: attack him.
0: Um, yeah, I thought he
1: was a worker. I thought he was going to go yeah, after him. Yeah,
0: or something. I think he is a worker, but yeah, I, I figured he was going to go after Hardy or whatever. And Hardy was going to, you know do something and i don't know like dump more booze on him or something the whole thing was very weird um and also like jeff hardy just does a really bad job faking emotions he's really really bad at it yeah Uh, it's
1: also just unrealistic hey i'm an addict i'm gonna go into this ring full of booze just to placate this guy who's trolling me
0: how dare you Seamus how dare you <laughs> mock my addiction
1: can you do the rest of the show like that please just <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: um but and, but, and but you know what I? Tommy
1: was so level acting from the room
0: I he he is <laughs> Jeff Hardy would actually be amazing you know Tommy Wiseau flick
1: I'm I'm in for this I'm, I make it happen. yeah
0: yeah no <laughs> Get YSO to come in and direct one of these WWE movie matches and have Hardy in it and, like, let YSO write a lot of dialogue for Hardy. I'm here for this. Five I'm stars. facing
1: my inner demon, Seamus.
0: I love you so much, Lisa. <laughs> the candles, the music, this red dress. What are you doing here?
1: Uh, but all of this all of this takes a back seat to the greatness of the golden role models. That's not their name. The, (laughs) the fantastic video package by Sasha and Bailey, the trolling of the undertaker also fantastic. I so absolutely, this thing is blowing it out of the water in so many ways. My only one caveat that i'm a little worried about is it looks like they're healing sasha up and i don't know if that's the way to go on this unless they're just gonna keep them both heels who sometimes make up and continue to fight each other because she was very possessive about the belt at the end in that moment where she has it around her waist
0: yes yeah right and during
1: the video she has that moment where i can't think of anybody that's better than bailey and just kind of gives a real quick look into the camera like can you believe i'm saying that
0: yeah it's um it's weird because I, I like i liked it more when they were going the other way where they were going to make bailey the bigger heel and sasha kind of the baby face um but i could also i mean this is the they could the back pop. off of
1: it this week because right, this they really back
0: week. off of it because yeah. they, they you know they turn the car around whenever they want so
1: yeah because this was the week where sasha put bailey into a match that she didn't want and so basically it might just it just might go higher with Bailey doing something to Sasha.
0: Yeah, yeah, stage. yeah. We could be in a little bit of a circle of one upsmanship, and the question is who's turning on who first.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Which might the be
0: point. the wrong, which is the wrong way to play this, too, because you, you want to have someone clearly coming off as the sympathetic one.
1: Well, we still have time. I mean, this might be a long, a long thing as opposed to happening in the next week but they can always just lose the tag titles wednesday and then or lose the title monday and then lose the titles wednesday i don't know i don't know what they're gonna do here but i'm along for the ride uh i like to the shot there's a weird thing where i remember peter rosenberg got in trouble on bring it to the table for calling undertaker taker and and it's always, you refer to the character as Undertaker, but backstage you can talk, call him Taker. You know, that, that kind of weird WWE language thing where, you know, they're kind of making fun of it, but they're not at the same time. And Sasha rolling the eyes in the back of her head and stuff like that. I love this. And uh, it's a fitting, um, <laughs> it's a fitting way to get into the Great American Bash for Wednesday on NXT.
0: Oh, um, real quickly, I, I, I wanted to mention that I thought that John Morrison and Matt Riddle had a really good match on SmackDown here. It was good. I thought Morrison was, was, really was good. That, there was
1: that one weird segment where Morrison's basically doing – he said he picks him up and then gets him in like a razor's edge, but he should have probably just kind of belly. He did a lot of complicated things that could have been a little bit simpler, I think. But overall, I agree with your point. I think. I think it was,
0: no, I think he was showboating a little bit. But like, I, I don't know. I, I think it was go- it was a good reminder that Morrison's like very very skilled in the ring.
1: Yeah, I would not yeah. mind seeing a 15 minute match between these two on a.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah, some
1: stakes later down the sure. road.
0: Yeah, and did it with the Nakamura-Kofi Kingston match. I thought that was like, <laughs> granted, it's a low bar with Shinsuke Nakamura, but I thought that was one of Nakamura's better matches in the last couple of years.
1: I agree. I thought he looked motivated out there. He wasn't half-assing it like some people accuse him of. I, I really liked this Shinsuke. They, they, they reminded us that he was a Rumble winner, which means someone has an interest in him backstage because they used to bury that fact quite a bit.
0: That's good. That's good. I no, I, I just I think that you know the issue with him has just been misusage. Uh I mean did it with Cesaro, but I mean running theme here.
1: Do we want to do AEW or the bash first?
0: Well let's uh let's do the AEW. Let's uh let's switch it up here.
1: I am done with Chris Jericho on commentary. Oh come on, Jeff Hawkins! Don't say that. <laughs> you idiot there aren't levels to it either that's the problem
0: no no there's no depth like he doesn't sometimes he doesn't have like a joke even he's just like
1: i'm just yelling things because i'm yeah. rick handling
0: yeah yeah it, <laughs> it's, it's like he's Phoenix like at, yeah anchorman sort of antics going on there
1: yeah it, it it's anchorman combined with jesse ventura up to a 10 kind of thing just even
0: was working with more content though on a regular basis it's like at least Ventura knew where he wanted to go when he started the sentence he I just feel like people, sometimes... stupid,
1: people stupid the whole time that's <laughs> you're stupid Excalibur you're stupid Tony
0: Skiavone yeah yeah Skiavone yeah
1: oh right. that orange Cassie I don't like that orange Cassie I look at him and I don't like him that's pineapple Pete I don't like him either I hate that guy <laughs> I hate that guy yeah, I there was there's no depth. There's no depth. The, there's
0: no depth at all. Like, and we're not even moving Jericho to a new point characterization wise. And and the stuff that we liked when Jericho was on commentary, he was way more subdued than this. This character sucks. Like yeah, he like, was
1: playing kind of champion flair on commentary for a while. Yeah.
0: A little a little hammy. And we we know that one of the problems with Jericho is that left to his impulses without any editing, he tends to default towards hamminess. But this was like, this was grating. This was
1: honey-baked ham right here. This was like glazed and dressed up for your Christmas dinner ham. This wasn't just any normal ham. This was gourmet ham.
0: But it's saccharine. I think honey-baked nails it.
1: (laughs) Jurassic Express, beating MJF and Wardlow already right, kind of went over MJF's promo uh match itself I didn't think it was too bad I, I I enjoy the chemistry between the Jurassic Express and MJF and Wardlow and Wardlow has continued to improve week after week
0: yeah yeah no I completely agree um I I think that you know there's interest for Luchasaurus and Wardlow as big guys who still haven't kind of hit their stride either and you know MJF is always good at getting enough heat on this uh the jurassic express are fine um i i think that it's they need to kind of like there needs to be more to the, what they're doing with them uh, i think they've been kind of stuck in a rut here for a little bit
1: pink and plaid though chris
0: what about a pink? A good and plaid. choice
1: not a good choice
0: oh for uh mjf
1: <laughs> that thing was hideous that was that was heel heat extraordinaire right there
0: oh yeah sure sure
1: uh, <laughs> that thing yeah uh Karoshida beating Penelope Ford. I know Uncle Dave liked this a lot more than I did. Um, I, I found uh, I especially found the uh the Sabian cheat spot a little contrived.
0: Yeah, no, I know. I thought the Sabian cheat spot was uh this was a fine match. This was not um it didn't blow me away. Uh the most I, I can really say about it is like. Penelope Ford probably has the best theme song of anyone in the AEW company. Like, <laughs> I, I think her I think her song kind of fits her. It's one of the stronger theme songs paired to a person for a while. Other than, like, you know, Cody Rhodes' theme song's pretty good. Like, the lyrics, like, you know, apply to, like, his life and everything. Um, but, like, in this company, I, I think Penelope Ford kind of has... She's got a good theme song. It's catchy. I, uh,
1: I like Penelope Ford as a wrestler. I just think they rely too much on timing spots with her and you've seen it
0: sure sure you've
1: seen it go poorly in like that four way i remember with chris statlander and a couple others where you know she had to do something and she kind of got and she didn't get caught the correct way and then this happens and that happens I, i'd like to see a little bit more for lack of a better term you want kind of the like grappling off, grounded offense. From grounded her.
0: offense. Yep. Yeah. No, no. I, I, I think she needs to be, you know, more drop kicks on the ground, you know, sit the opponent up, run from a corner, hit him with the drop kick, you and know. And then uh, do the
1: big athletic spots, you know, and, and make them a special treat as opposed to just an ordinary part of the arsenal.
0: Yeah, or you and use athletics to kind of enhance the ground game rather than try to do um, aerials uh, to a standing opponent. I, no, I, I'm with you on that. I, I think, like, I like Sheeta. Um, I, I don't know. This match was good. It, 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 it was good. I, I think you know, one of the big problems that, I mean, this is not unique to this match or a, any specific brand even, but just too many near falls towards the end of a match. I think, like, rather than having, like, lots of near falls, you need to have, like, the opponent falling out of the ring and stuff where they can't make the cover. Um, Because when you have big move, near fall, bigger move, near fall, even bigger move, near fall, um, especially when they're in rapid succession, the sting gets taken off from it. Uh, You don't get that escalatory effect.
1: and, And really, I mean, this was... This has been a staple since Ben or not Benoit, but Malenko and Guerrero in ECW, where you just do those spots, spot, you know, the the roll spot, back spot, you know, bridge up, spot. I I just that if I could get rid of that, if I could get rid of the O face after a close pin,
0: sure, that every sure. women's match
1: now has to have, and and they did it like four times in that four way that we'll get to in NXT. You know, those would be the things I get rid of. Cody yeah. and, and Jake Hager it was okay. I didn't. I. I wasn't offended by it. I just. I don't understand the story they're telling with Arn and Cody. To be honest, that Arn Anderson he cheats. He's a cheating Arn Anderson. <laughs> now, do Jeff Hardy quick. <laughs> Come on, this Arn was Anderson one, me in trouble.
0: Comes out and he does not have honor. <laughs> yeah. yeah um I mean I I don't I feel like slowly we're turning Cody heel but then like the Jake Hager like the finish to this match and then Hager losing his stuff on the referee sort of took away from everything else that was going on in the match one yeah, of the, problems yeah. the AEW stuff or AEW style matches is they try to have like two or three narrative beats per match and I think, especially when it's like a big beat that you want to make sure you have emphasis on, there's really only room for like at most two narrative beats in any match. Something going on in the finish, maybe something going on during the match.
1: Yeah, and there's always a beat for the referee. Yes. Which, I, again, we went into this last week when we were talking about Aubrey a bit. I I don't. I don't view their referees as being worthy of characterization necessarily unless you're going to go with style, but this is their choice. They want, they want everybody to be a part of the show. So we're doing the little rascals, I guess. I would
0: rather there be a style to each referee's count. Yes. yes. Like that's part of the characterization. Like some are better at actually catching outside interference than others. Uh, Heels have a bias towards one referee more over than another. Like if you're going to do that, I think that that's kind of interesting. Uh, But the obligatory ref spot that leads to like some sort of distraction play thing. I, I, it, That becomes very distracting at all. It often becomes the one thing that people remember from the match.
1: Private Party beat the inner circle of Santana and Ortiz. I am of the opinion that Private Party is not ready for prime time. They have a Penelope Ford problem. They love to do their coordinated spots, and it takes a while to get there for me.
0: Yeah, I I think there's that. Um, I I think that there's something about... There's a team chemistry thing that they kind of lack. Like I, I don't know. I think part of it's the outfits too. The tiger print stuff has to go. Even the though, comedy
1: spot where they do the high pitched squeal when they get hit has to go. Yes,
0: they, there's there's just a lot of things that they need to tweak up, and I, even the high flying. Some of it's good. I think that it needs to be done more sparingly um and i think these two guys uh, would really benefit from going and watching like old style rock and roll express uh and kind of pay attention I'm, I'm not like they've never watched it before i'm sure they have um but less is more i think is part of it too uh there's there's just a hammy quality to the whole act right now That it's,
1: I, it's very yeah wrestling type of gimmick where you're trying to do a lot of moves and you don't need to um
0: and, and santana and ortiz wow. suffer from that a little bit too
1: a little bit but man they i mean they were big stars coming in and they've kind of been cooled down a bit yeah and i th- yeah. i still think it's from making the inner circle a comedy thing
0: yeah you yeah, know that that's i'm not knocking their ring work i'm knocking like the the characters that they're playing like uh who's the one with the longer hair? Is it Ortiz?
1: The one that does the Pampuro Furpo act? Yeah, that's
0: yeah, sure. yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. Like it's just these guys have some like these guys actually have some skills. You you could tell it's just like they're working like kind of as you said, kind of comedy, and I don't I don't really get it. Um, but no, Private Party, um, they are a they're not even really analogous to the street profits. The street profits are like a more polished version of private party.
1: I, I hate making that comparison because you're just going to get blowback. Oh, you're comparing two teams of two African-American. Yeah. yeah. Like that.
0: No, no, no. I feel you, but uh, like, I'm I'm not talking like Montez Ford very much feels like a similar template to like what private party is throwing out there though. Okay. Like he is the high flyer and like the, like The Street Profits, their big kind of signature thing is the high spots. but even the high spots that the Street Profits go for tend to be a little bit more coherently structured, like the big frog splash. And I think they they tend to capture the bigness and the excitement more. Private Party, like, when they do their high high spots, a lot of them are, like, fairly demanding, but they don't feel big.
1: And they take a lot of setup, too.
0: Really, they take a ton of setup. Right, right, right. So, I mean, like, there's more than just, like, cosmetics uh, that links, like, kind of the comparison here. I, I just think, like, part of it, too, is that the private party doesn't have, like, a power guy. Um, I, I think, you know, there's a little bit too much overlap between these two guys, skill set-wise. Mm-hmm.
1: And then Kenny Omega and Adam Page beat Best Friends. I thought that promo by Page and Omega... Was terrible, I, I.
0: Yeah, no, for sure.
1: I mean, Paige just going, "Well, we're friends, but we're not in the ring." And then Omega just saying, "Yeah, it's gonna be the same thing as as every time." I'm like, "This this was the most phoned in promo."
0: Yeah, Paige also <laughs> kind of teasing that my belts thing too. Well, like, yeah, so but- we're, we're already setting the table for that, and like Kenny, you want to feel sympathetic towards him. Theoretically, ultimately, when the breakup happens, it hold that thought though. I guess apparently after the match here, um, but or maybe it blends into this. But like he does stuff that makes you either think one, he's oblivious. So like when he's gonna get blindsided by this, like it's in part because he's so kind of in his own little world. Um, and then after the match here, he gets handed a beer. Okay, you don't drink. Uh, I get it, Kenny. But. If someone hands you a beer, you don't just, like, dump it out. Like, like I, I didn't get it, and commentary didn't really put over why did Kenny do that and didn't really put over why is there a fissure between Adam Page and Kenny Omega. Uh, like, the whole thing was weird.
1: What do you think of the minivan? The
0: minivan is fine. Um, I, I, you know, it's the <laughs> WWE-style loser gets the big entrance sort of thing.
1: He <laughs> had another car. in the the AEW family.
0: Uh, So, so yeah, on on that note, I mean, as you know, I'm pro all truck related entrances. Um, any other vehicle from a taxi cab to an ambulance to a minivan, I'm less in favor. Yeah. (laughs) It needs to be a a large, 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 large truck. Preferably. Mm -hmm. That's probably the best entrance in professional wrestling in 2020.
1: It's yeah. I, I liked it for what it was, but then afterwards I'm thinking and I'm like, Man, it just makes them look like comedy guys as opposed to tag team title contenders. So old school. Oh yeah, Hawkins for sure. Fighting with it a little bit. I don't mind it, but
0: I mean, this is the problem though with the best friends gimmick is the whole yeah. thing like feels very lower mid cardy versus upper mid cardy. Um, so you know, ever taking them seriously as championship material, championship contender guys, it's tough because they're paired with Orange Cassidy, who like we also like, and I I mean. I thought the Orange Cassidy heat spot on here was good. And they're doing good things with him. But, like, the whole vibe that the best friends in Orange Cassidy give off is, like, three dudes who don't give an F, um, which is not what you expect out of your champions.
1: So, night two will happen Wednesday. Chris Jericho taking on Orange Cassidy, Lance Archer. Orange down. Cassidy, I hate that guy. <laughs> Lance Archer versus Joey Janela, Nyla Rose versus To Be Announced. Do we get Tessa? Probably not.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe. Beat school.
1: Who, yeah, uh, well, who'd, who'd be a surprise? Who's, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe Emma, <laughs> the former Emma, Tennille Dashwood.
0: That would that would be that would be
1: cool. Uh, Ban and the Dark Order, Brody Lee and Stu Grayson taking on SoCal Uncensored, FTR and the Young Bucks taking on Butcher Blade and the Lucha Brothers. Incorrectly tweeted out this this afternoon as uh, as Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc. Uh, that was a little bit awkward. Um, and then uh, Omega and Page taking on Private Party. Uh, depending on what main events uh well i know what main events the great american bash it will be interesting to see who clicks over during that main event tag match
0: yeah it will be um i wouldn't be surprised if we get the belts off of omega and Paige here
1: to private party
0: as transitional champions to go to like ftr okay yeah. Um. I no. I, I know. Like uh, after all, we said I, I'm not saying that private party's ready for a big run here. Uh. But I viewed the finish here to this match as uh, FTR playing head games because they knew that Omega was going to dump out the beer.
1: Do you have the Great American Bash in front of you?
0: Uh, for next week.
1: No, for this week.
0: For this week, yes, I do. Uh,
1: take me through, please.
0: I will be happy to. So the Great American Bash kicked off with a big first-time-ever singles match.
1: No, Um, it was a four-way.
0: I know. I was reading a different part of the copy. (laughs) It's wrong. So, Tegan (laughs) Nox won a fatal four-way elimination match over Dakota Kai, Mia Yim, and Candice LeRae to become number one contender. And this was like an elimination-style match, which is different from the way WWE usually does it. So, first, LeRae gets pinned by Yim. Then Yim gets pinned by Kai, and then Kai gets pinned by Tegan Knox, and that's how the match ends.
1: Until it was Kai and Knox, this wasn't much of anything to me. Uh, there was a lot of uh, miscommunication. There's uh, I'll watch Tegan and, and Dakota go on forever. I still think Dakota Kai or uh, Tegan Knox's cell, where she just her eyes roll to the back of her head and she just limply falls down. She just dies every spot, but. Uh, you know, as number one contender, I you know I think she's a worthy number one contender. I don't know if they're going to put the belt on her and move EO up to the main roster, but uh, I'm, I'm interested to see the build.
0: Yeah, I'm interested to see the build as well. Um, I, I think even like a face versus face thing could be, you know, it's an interesting dynamic. It's kind of a fresh thing to do. Uh, with, it's, you know? it's
1: weird with Tegan because you have the coming back from injury story, but do you want her to lose that first time and have people lose all interest? That's my thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, if she loses the first time, I think the way you want her to lose is Dakota costs her the match. The
1: you only know, problem with that is she and Dakota have been feuding forever already. It's it's it it would be great if that had happened.
0: A yeah, while early ago. somewhere along the way in their in their feud. Um yeah. no, I, I don't see a good off ramp for it, but then I also don't see I mean, narratively, I don't see why Dakota Kai would like just sort of sit back and let Tegan Knox win the belt either. No, that's true. Yeah, so um but i I liked it i they're trying to do something with Mia Yim, I guess are they trying to turn her or something?
1: No, I'm I just think they're gonna they're this. gonna they're gonna um siphon her off to to fight with Candace who I think they're fighting next or on Wednesday as well
0: okay. Haven't they already fought? yeah, okay good um so then we have Damien Priest and he cut a promo on Cameron Grimes. What do we think about Damian Priest as a baby face?
1: um interesting i mean they're doing the lone wolf push with him i like that he looked into the camera to do the 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 promo i don't know if the promo was very good that's the thing yeah in terms of right
0: content. right 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 he has a good voice he they did a good job framing him as he talked but i didn't think that he actually said a whole lot of anything
1: right he'd be another guy up. where i'd want to hear him cut a natural promo to hear what it sounds like
0: yeah absolutely um and then we get timothy thatcher defeating Oni lorkin i enjoyed this match i I liked it i'm not a big grapple f
1: guy but uh you know it was fine for what it was the one bully beats the other bully type thing um i could someone i forgot where it was but they posited that maybe thatcher then brings in uh, Danny Birch and beats him, and then it becomes like a three-person stable to kind of go up against Imperium type of thing. But I still think Thatcher maybe Thatcher may be taking over Imperium sooner than later.
0: Interesting. Yeah that that'd be uh, that'd be interesting. Um, no, if, Wal- uh, if
1: Walter doesn't want to come to the states,
0: that's true. That's true. Uh, but I, you know, I, I like Thatcher, uh, and they've certainly. They certainly planted seeds for like with Thatcher's like rhetoric and stuff during the promos where he talks about the mat and everything. Like it, it makes sense that he would be a part of Imperium.
1: He's coming uh, off as a badass, which is pretty Yeah, cool. no, I
0: think so. Because yeah. I, I
1: didn't have a lot of hope for Thatcher coming in because they, he doesn't have, he doesn't have the excitement that WWE generally looks for.
0: No, no. Like there, there's a lot of minuses um, on like if I was actually going to, you know, write them down here, things that seem to be working against Tim Thatcher and, uh, he is, uh, He's exuding small, tough guy energy, um, and it's good. And Rhea Ripley defeated Aaliyah and Robert Stone. Uh, I, I got strong Mark Marrow vibes from Robert Stone.
1: Robert Stone is the exact body type you don't want in this kind of match. If you ever have men facing women in the history, in the 80s, if you want to go back to the territories... Jim Cornette and Paul Heyman facing women perfect Jack dudes like Robert Stone. Not so fine. I am not an injured intergender wrestling fan as many of you know, Um, but that's just purely me. But even with that caveat, this thing was dumb comedy. It made Rhea Ripley look stupid. The whole thumb to the nose, nanny nanny boo boo after winning type thing doesn't make her look tough it makes her look goofy i just don't see the point of this
0: yeah i know i i have nothing really to add uh i th- think the robert stone character they just they don't have any real vision for this guy yeah it's done yeah it's got to be done um i i which is horrible cuz i feel bad for robbie e here but uh no this, this is done Dexter Loomis defeats Roderick Strong in a strap match. Uh, I I like this. I am so, it's so weird to me that Dexter Loomis as a character is being presented as a baby face.
1: There's a lot that's weird about this. Yeah. Um, I can't believe they didn't go into, look, I I love Morrow. And hearing Morrow reference Jimmy Garvin and Wahoo McDaniel warmed my heart. It, It was a great feud borderline racist at times but it was a great feud um actually not even borderline racist straight up racist uh but there's a reason why a strap match is a stipulation and nobody ever explained why they were doing it and it's because it's because roderick strong kept running away and the point of the strap is to keep people from running away and they never explained that now as a strap match wasn't too bad. Um, the ending got a little convoluted with the uh, submission spot and getting the getting the strap wrapped around the correct way and all those other things. But overall, it wasn't a bad match. I just, I wonder what's going to happen to Dexter Loomis if Dream is off television.
0: That is interesting. Um, I think the Dexter Loomis push continues. I I think.
1: He's a guy you can feed to Cross.
0: I. He's a guy, okay, so I think he's a guy who Adam Cole can get a big win over and make him feel confident enough that he could go up against Cross, and then you could have Cross, like, demolish him.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy you can build up to beat. That's pretty much what we both agree.
0: Yeah, no, no, but, like, uh, you can't, I mean.
1: He's not gonna he hold the seriously time.
0: seriously entertain, yeah, Loomis as NXT champion. Unless even it's unless a tag it's
1: title t- where you're doing wacky comedy.
0: Sure, sure, but like, no, he's not. Uh, he's not an NXT champion, even in his best case scenario. Um, then after that, we have uh, the match next week between Keith Lee and Adam Cole. Um, pretty, good,
1: pretty good video package, I thought.
0: L'Ray and Gargano are interrupted uh when Lorey starts fighting with Mia Yim. Swerve Scott shows up, so uh maybe we're getting a Swerve versus Johnny match here. I think so. Yeah, and then uh Santos Escobar, flanked by Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wild, uh also known as El Logato del Fantasma, uh cut a promo in, in the ring boy was this promo awful like th- this is a god-awful promo um where essentially uh el Ijo del fantasma was trying to explain um and only as a heel that there's more to lucha libre than just jumping from a really high <laughs> place and falling and like doing flips and stuff um like that there's actually like a whole deeper style to lucha libre but this was being done to heal heat to getting booze. And he said that Lucha <laughs> I Libre hoping,
1: had, I was hoping for a shot of, like, the Lucha House Party watching this going, wait, what?
0: Yeah, right, wait. This guy has a point. <laughs> um, And then, like, and then he talks about how, like, Lucha Libre has been turned into a sideshow. Um, and then the, they're going to re- rediscover the true roots of Lucha Libre, blah, 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 blah. Um, And then Drake Maverick rushes to the ring. And... We then pivot back into uh, e Del Fantasma as um, like a drug dealer, like a super drug kingpin guy where you can't even touch him sort of type. Um, I would, to which I say he's going to need more henchmen. Like he's essentially going to need the Lucha House Party um, if you're actually going to go with this whole like you can't touch me gimmick.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I didn't have a lot of thought of this other than I, you know, Fandango and 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 Drake are probably gonna take this loss
0: yeah oh yeah for sure for sure uh no uh, I like probably Fandango eats the pin here um I I think uh Fandango and Breeze need to fully commit to a different look and a different entrance music if they're gonna you know like they're already starting to change to change their look but I think they need to have like a different like entrance music and vibe um they're still like I don't know, like the Fandango music is like kind of completely non-sequitur at this point.
1: Yeah, they're doing the weird okay, this week we're going to be astronauts, this week we're going to be it it's a very very just going through various occupational type of <laughs> reliving the 90s
0: yeah. WWE gimmicks of mid-card yesteryear.
1: Yeah, it's it's very weird.
0: Um and then we get oh, to move-
1: Oh, I forgot oh. To, I oh. I actually watched 205 live which is only a half hour this week, which is oh. very weird. But they had uh it was on there the way they had uh Joaquin Wilde and uh and uh Raul Mendoza in a squash match it's, it's very interesting the way they're being presented how so very much hired goons but it's like you have you have Mendoza coming out with his robe and stuff but you have Wilde still coming out with like the backwards ball cap and gloves type thing they're not re- they don't really have a matching outfit for it they're not exuding class per se, Um, they're they're red shirts, pretty much.
0: Weird. You would assume that, like, if you're going to – because it felt like they made Mendoza and uh, Wild even, like, get haircuts and stuff, so you'd assume that, like, there'd be a corresponding ring gear change. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Interesting. And and then we get to our main event here, which is uh, Io Shirai uh, defeating – sasha banks uh in a non title match, which i thought was a little weird, it should have been a title match in my opinion um just just for give it to it but like if anything, the one thing the w w e product's suffering from a little bit right now is the lack of stakes so i I don't know why you wouldn't have um sasha going down there and having a match against e o for the title um or if you're gonna make it non title then why not give sasha the win
1: yeah i I liked the match. I didn't love it, but I really liked it a lot. I thought you. Can I certainly did think
0: it's better than uh, Penelope Ford oh, yeah. and uh, yeah, Hikaru Shida. I, th- I
1: thought Uncle Dave was way off base saying that AEW's women's match was better. But here, here's what I really like. Number one, you you recall the times where we could tell Sasha had the boo-boo face on that she was going to lose? That's gone. She's having a blast doing all this. Yeah, I don't, I don't think she, she
0: cares about yeah, I don't think she cares about eating the L to EO Shirai here. Right. I, I, yeah, no, I I I and it's more it's not that she, it's even about the losses is that I think it's whether or not she views them as a valid and justifiable loss and like this is a situation that's a justifiable loss. Um I just I would have made it a title defense. I would have had her lose in a title match if you're going to, you know, build up EO Shirai more. Or um and I bet you a lot of people DQ? left
1: you ever win by the DQ when Asuka blows the mist in her face?
0: Yeah, exactly. Something like that to keep the heat rolling.
1: I know a lot of people were disappointed about that, but I understood why. I mean, they're they're basically setting up Monday, Wednesday, and backlashes matches. So I mean I and, and get they need
0: to get away from Kyrie Sane too. So like I think that's yeah, the other thing is that this move is serving multiple needs.
1: Mm-hmm. But for what it was, it was a lot of fun. And oh yeah, sure. And I am I'm here for any combination of Asuka, Eo, Sasha, and Bailey. And I'm I'm gonna be rolling in, in mud like a pig, watching that tag match, I bet. So I'm good with it.
0: Yeah, I know I, I concur.
1: Uh yeah, and that'll be uh Wednesday. Uh pretty much uh any other thoughts on, on the wrestling this week?
0: No, that's that's all I got for the wrestling this week. Uh, is there any stories or anything we missed?
1: Oh, Zicky Dice, uh, may or may not still be with NWA. Um, you know, I I I don't see NWA continuing. I gotta be honest. I think they have a lot of guys that are willing, but I just they've already lost. You know, a few of their big powers. You have. Thunder, Rosa Ricky running, Thunder Rosa's bad. running her own promotion now, so...
0: Right, yeah, Thunder Rosa launches her own promotion, uh, and that allows her to kind of, like, free herself of, you know, some of the issues that are going on with the NWA as an organization, and she really was the core of that women's division there. Like, Allison Kay was not Lighting the World on Fire. Thunder Rosa was the star. Um, yeah, I, I, I just think... Uh, I, I think that this was a... Uh,
1: I think with all the problems and the fact that it's a money loser. I think Billy should shutter it. I hate to say that because I loved it. I loved it for what it was.
0: Yeah, I like I or he just needs to relaunch it and he should shutter it and then relaunch it again at some point. Like, but like trying to continue with this continuity in this universe um, on power, it's not going to work. Like, whenever they relaunch it, they're going to need to like relaunch it with with just like a, a reset button kind of. In hand yeah i i, I don't like losing die just trying to write around all of these problems like not having ricky starks and zicky dice which was your television title thing so then you, you do a tournament on that but it'd almost be better just to have nick aldis come out the first week again and say this is power season two and i'm here and like i don't i don't think it hurts anything i'll put it that way
1: we'll mm. see what happens I'm Jeff Hawkins. You can follow me at Crap Game Thirteen. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. I have a lot of shows on the Voices of Wrestling Network, including the flagship, Open the Voice Gate, Omakazi, Five Star Quizzes, Music of the Mat. Five uh, Star <laughs> Whatever your tastes are, you can find them. And Chris also does uh, other podcasts of note. He will plug them at this time.
0: Yeah, my other show's called at or it's called Don't Worry About the Government. You can find us at DWATG, but also on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Spotify. So go and check that out. Um, my other other show, which is like you know more archival at this point, it's the All in the Family podcast. But there's a lot of interesting episodes, some of which are topical. If you want to hear me talk on different topics and stuff, you can check that out at AllInTheFamilyPodcast dot com.
1: We'll and
0: see uh, we'll see you next week.